Good morning, First Church family. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. Um, we're excited to come together, although we're more excited for when we can meet uh, together under one roof. But in this time, uh, things have been a little different for us. And one of the things I've noticed in my family is that we, we gather around the table, we watch the service together. I don't know what that looks like for your family, but uh, things have been very relaxed lately. And so one of the things that I wanna challenge us in this morning is this idea of prayer. When you look at the Greek word for prayer, it really uh, mimics the same word used for worship. They're almost interchangeable in so many places, this idea of coming before the Lord um, in prayer. And so um, opening our service this morning, we're gonna open in prayer. It's going to be a sung prayer. And I want you to come together uh, and we're going to be reminded by what Paul challenges the Philippians in. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer. In everything by worship and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So wherever you're at this morning, I'm gonna ask you to just bow your head. As the team leads us in prayer this morning, let's meet him in this place. We fix our eyes on you. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus, you and you alone. Heaven fall 
So come now, Lord, like never before. Break into our spaces, Lord. Break into our spaces, Lord. Our kitchens, Lord. Our homes, Lord. Our families, Lord. We want you, Lord. We want you, We need to move. 
this out, church. And bodies are still being raised. And giants are still being slain. But God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. Set our hearts on you. Come and do what you do. Cause we need a move. I'm just kind of picturing all of us together this morning and I know by now um, our heads are probably not bowed because um, maybe you have um, toddlers that have wandered away and but the great thing about the Lord our God is that he sees our hearts and this idea of prayer also comes with it a, a concept of just imploring God coming into the throne room and just laying ourselves bare, begging him to do a work. And I don't know what work you specifically need this morning, but I want you to know that we in this place are storming the throne on your behalf this morning. That we are asking for miracles in this church. We are asking for God to do a great work among his body. So declare it with us this morning as we pray, as we worship, as we beg God to do a work on our behalf. Let's declare this together. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming. Miracles happen 
This is church family, we know that through all of this, God hasn't changed. And his great global purpose, which he calls us to be part of, hasn't changed either. He desires people of every nation and every language to become followers of him. And despite the distance between us, God is continuing to bless. First church and ministry is thriving. Because of God's provision and your generosity, we are able to keep doing services like this, but now we're online. We are able to continue partnering with people like the Center locally, Logan and Janelle Rare regionally, and the Morales family globally. And because of God's provision and your generosity, we're not just continuing ministry. We are birthing new ministries, such as the new life production ministry that we're undertaking right now. And through partnership with the Salvation Army, we are serving people right here in our own community by providing food for those in need. This is all possible because of God's provision and your generous giving. So God, we praise you. And First Church family, thank you. Today we are in the book of Ezra. The year is 537 BC. The place is Jerusalem. So we find our way to Ezra 3. Now the Jewish people have returned from a long captivity in Babylon. And many of them have been there either 70 years or they've been away for 50 years. And they were sent into captivity as a part of God's judgment and on the generations, really, of disobedience. And so now they're returning. And the countryside is in the hands of their enemies. The city of Jerusalem lies in ruins. The walls have now been torn down and buildings have been looted. The temple built by Solomon 500 years earlier, is no more. It's gone. It's vanished. It's, it's just a pile of rubble, rubble. It's just destroyed. And the Babylonians took the gold and the silver and all of the priestly, um, all the implements are gone. Everything is gone. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. All the silver and gold is gone. Everything is gone. And so the Jewish people... Uh, they go to work with a vigor and really a determination. And so we see right there in chapter 3, in verses 1 through 6, we see them uh, rebuild the altar. And then in verses 7 through 9, we see them rebuild the foundation of the temple. And then in verses 10 and 11, we see them praise the Lord. 
Well, I want us to read, kind of, we'll start at the end here of this, what we're going to be looking at today. In verse 11, it says, But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads, who had seen the former temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. The young folks are dancing and they are shouting for joy and the older folks are weeping aloud. And there's this picture of this this mixture of shouts of joy And there is also this weeping, so no one could tell them apart. But it's the same reality they're living in. But if you do the math, you can see what's going on. The older folks, when when the the temple had been destroyed, 586, whenever that, that had happened, the older folks could remember Solomon's temple in all its glory years prior to this. And those young people, two generations had been born in Babylon. They had no real memory of any of this. They had just heard about it. And they were just excited to get to it. But it was the same reality. Sort of misplaced expectations at the same reality. As we get older, we experience this. Misplaced expectations. John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, He said this, my life has been spent in vain and idle aspirations. (laughs) I can't imagine him thinking that of himself, but that's what he said. Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote his own epitaph on his own tombstone, wrote, wanted this written. Here lies one who meant well, who tried a little and failed much. Joe Torrey the famous manager of the New York Yankees. One time he was doing a broadcast in Anaheim. When he came back to the booth, he told of a story of a little boy who was about six years old, looked up at him, and he said, didn't you used to be somebody? Well, when you get older, sometimes that reality of what used to be can be disappointing. One time, Abraham Lincoln was asked about losing in a race in 1858 to Senator Stephen Douglas. And he said, I feel a little bit like a boy who stubbed his toe. I am too big to cry and I'm too badly hurt to laugh. That's what, as we get older, when life is disappointing, how do we handle that? Why were the older people disappointed? Well, they remembered. They remembered what it used to be. They remembered how things used to be, what it used to be like when they, and they were living in that past with all of its glory. And when they came back, everybody else was excited to build because they were young, but the older people were just disappointed. And you know, whether you're young or old right now, you may be disappointed. You may be uh, they could not really deal with that present reality because they knew what used to be. And today, all of us are kind of experiencing that. Even young people who are seeing what used to be, for example, seniors 
in high school, people who are in college, people who are endeavoring to work and different things like that, we may all be experiencing this this disappointment. And if we're ever going to overcome this sort of disappointment, there are three things that are necessary. And that's what we want to talk through here. And I want to look at the first thing that you need in dealing. If we're going to do what the Jewish people did here in Ezra 3, I just want to follow what they did so we can learn from them. If you're going to kind of move on from that disappointment, if you find yourself in that place, that present reality, the first thing is there's a need for a new direction and a new dedication. They rebuilt the altar. Returning from exile, they began rebuilding the altar. They started with that. And when it was finished, they they could offer their sacrifices to God and renew what God had told them in Leviticus to do as they worshipped him and as they approached him. I mean, they could have started anywhere. They could have started, started with the structure of the building. They could have started even with the foundation. But they started with the altar. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse 4. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifice for all the appointed sacred feasts of the Lord, as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not even yet been laid. They started with the altar. Here's why. Why? Because worship must always come first. And that's what they did. They set a new direction. They had set themselves into a new dedication and worship come first. Out of the rubble of their past disobedience, they first made sure that they were right with God. In a sense, they were saying, Lord, we want to get this right. And that's why they started with the altar. There are times in our life when we need a new beginning, especially when we're disappointed. And we must return to that altar of sacrifice. For Christians, this means returning to the cross of Christ, it, where the blood was shed for our sins and where we can, we can run to the cross. Run to the cross. Begin with a new direction, a new purpose in disappointment. Run to the cross. I was listening to a radio broadcast not too long ago, and there was a man, there was a call-in show, and a, a man called in, and he was upset from the beginning. And he asked the man who was fielding the question, he said, I used to be a Christian, but my wife came to me and told me that she had found another man and she was leaving me. And in front of her, I took my Bible, and I ripped it up in front of her and disavowed God, and I disavowed the Trinity, and I said, I will never ever. I don't believe in God anymore. And from that point on, I didn't. And so he was calling in on the show and he said, I don't know what to do. And the radio, the man who was a pastor, he kept saying to him, God loves you very much. He will take you back. And he kept saying that. And the man said, but I, but I, I tore my Bible up in front of my wife. And the man kept saying, God loves you. He will take you back. And he kept saying it. And finally, he said, when we get done with this, he was, the pastor said, when you, we get done here, I want you to put your, put your Bible on top of the bed. I want you to kneel down beside your bed. And I want you just to pray and say, Lord, 
I know this is the word of God. I was wrong to rip it up. And then, Lord, I was wrong to disavow you. Lord, I know that Jesus died for my sins. And please forgive me for what I said and what I've done. And he will take you back. If you want, in the middle of your disappointment, to get new direction, I want you to know God loves you and he will take you back. If you want to get new direction that takes a new direction and a new dedication, I want to encourage you, no matter how great your sin may be, whatever the disappointment is in your life, that God is an abundant to pardon. Remember Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. That's the first thing. The second thing that we see within Ezra 3 is a new obedience. There's a new obedience and foundation. They relay the the foundation. Having rebuilt the altar, they reestablish this relationship with God, and then the Jewish people, they proceed to to, to put the foundation of the temple back together. This involved a massive cleanup effort. This is like Berlin after World War II. There was rubble everywhere and everything, and it was big. And then it says that we pick up right there in verse 7. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters, and they gave food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, and uh, so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. And in the second month of the second year, after their arrival at the house of Jerusalem and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, Jeshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites and all of them, returned from the captivity of Jerusalem and began the work appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. First, they committed themselves to follow the Lord in every detail of their life. You can see that in verses 2 and in verse 4 in this chapter. They did according to the law. A thousand years have passed since God had spoken to Moses. And then we see Israel itself had gone through the conquest and then the period of judges and the reign of the three great kings. And then this bizarre period of divided kingdom. Now it was time to start over. What do you do when you go back and you're disappointed and you're found in the rubble? You, there's a new obedience and there's a foundation as well. Um, when you go back, you go back to the basics. You go back to the drawing board. You go back and you read the instruction manual so you don't make the same mistake all over. And you realize here, uh, they did this in spite of their enemies being all around them. Uh, here's, don't miss the point in this. The point is, when you're disappointed and you don't know what to do, take a lesson from the Jewish people. Do what you know is right. And so that's what they did. Even in the presence of their enemies, even though everything wasn't perfect, even though they're in rubble, they committed themselves to follow the Lord in every detail. A new obedience. First, a new direction, and then a new obedience. You can't stay where you are forever. You can't stay in bed forever. 
You can't, someone's got to mop the floor. Someone's got to make dinner. Someone's got to turn the lights on at the office. Someone's got to turn on the lights. Someone's got to uh, fix that thing. Someone has, has got to uh, make the lesson plans. Somebody has got to see the patient. Somebody's got to do the homework. You got to start. Don't let your discouragement keep you from doing what you know that you have to do. Don't let that disappointment and that discouragement, once you head in a new direction, don't let that keep you from moving on. If you can't do make big promises to God, then I want to encourage you, keep the small ones. If you can't follow some big plan, follow the small plans. It, it, you know, if you're going to step into the future, then you may, might not be able to take a hundred steps, but you can take two or three steps. I want to encourage you what John Maxwell said. He said, the smallest act of obedience is better than the greatest intention. So I want to encourage you. It's better to do a little than to sit around and dream about a lot. Start with just obedience. And I'm not talking about obedience for the whole, just obedience for today. If you cannot obey God in some big, huge, grand gesture, then obey him in something small in your life. Do what you know needs to be done and do it for the glory of God and God will bless it. Here's the third thing. A new priority in praising the Lord. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with the trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord had been laid. Once the foundation is laid, the people and their leaders stopped and they gave thanks and they gave a new priority in their life to praise the Lord. And they didn't say, they said, he is good. They didn't say, we are good. Look what we just did. They said, they openly gave God the credit and that's a new priority for them, living for the glory of God. And I am struck with the fact that they did not, they did not wait until the building was done to praise the Lord. Even just after part of it had been done, they praised the Lord. And I want to encourage you. And this is also a reminder for us, just in, as you think about it in practical terms, when you think about this story, this is why the young and the old, they need each other. We need each other in the church because it's important that the older people, they remembered how good things had been and they had recalled what had been lost through disobedience. The young need the old to remind them of the past and the old need the young to encourage them about the future. So there are four lessons in this that I kind of want to leave you with here in the time I have remaining. And as we stand back and we survey this story, what are the lessons we need to help us overcome disappointment in life? The first thing is this. Yield your memories and your dreams to the Lord. Both of them. Was your past happier, better, or uh, happier maybe than the present? Was 
whatever that is, yield it to the Lord. Is it your past was ugly? And maybe you're at a place where you got a decision point? Well, then I want to encourage you to yield that to the Lord. Do you have great dreams? Do you have hopes for the future? Do you think about maybe what has been and you're in a disappointing place? Then I want to encourage you to yield your memories and your dreams to the Lord. Here's another thing. Accept your present situation as from the Lord. And I want to tell you just something personally that I, when I'm at a place where I ended up someplace where I didn't want to be and I'm disappointed, you know what I find myself saying to myself? Well, here I am. And when I say that, I am, I'm trying to come to the realization that I have to accept that my situation has, has a situation that's from the Lord. It might not have been the best case scenario, but the Lord has brought me here. And I'm trying to accept. It doesn't mean that you're positive uh, about the problems of life. And I'm not trying to say those kinds of things. But it does mean accepting the reality that you are where you are right now because this is where God wants you to be right now. And when you are there, then you can move on from there accepting that God knows right where you are. Only those who have this high view of God can come to this conclusion because blessed is the person who can say, I'm here by the sovereign choice of God. He's not surprised by this and I can trust him. Here's the third thing. Resolve to obey God right where you are. Disappointment can cause you to become bitter and bitterness can make you lethargic towards the duties of life. You know, sometimes we put off things that we know we ought to do. And little by little, we begin to slide. Jobs are not done. Things aren't done. Chores are not finished. Projects are left uncompleted. Phone calls aren't returned. Appointments are not met. Messages are not answered. Papers are not written. It just goes on and on. And so I encourage you, resolve in your heart to obey God right where you are. And and here is where, you know, No excuses, no delays, just do it. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I want to encourage you um, with a prayer that Mother Teresa once spoke. She, She gave this encouragement and she said that we ought, she was encouraging folks no matter what their life circumstances She said this, do not pursue spectacular deeds. We must deliberately renounce all desires to see the fruit of our labor, doing all we can as best we can, leaving the rest in the hands of God. Never bother about people's opinions. Be humble and you'll never be disturbed. The Lord has willed me where I am. He will offer a solution. Here's the last thing. Praise God for his goodness in spite of your circumstances. This is what the people of God did in Ezra's day. They rolled up their sleeves, they got to work, and as they worked with the fulfillment of their dreams still far away, it says that they offered public praise to God. And if this was a parable, I would say, go and do likewise. 
You know, rough seas make great sailors. So many times in life, you think that you can learn how to sail or do something in front of a computer screen. The truth is you can't. It's in the real life where we really learn how to trust God. It's in real life where we learn what we're supposed to do. You can hear all the sermons that you want to about how God cares for his children, but it's not until you experience for yourself and you get that new direction and then you lay that foundation with that new obedience and then you have that new priority and when you keep moving forward, you know, you just, you, those truths become that foundation for your life and, and it cannot be blown away by the winds of adversity. So here's a quote I found this week. One can learn about sailing in a classroom, but it takes rough seas to make a great sailor. So as we finish today, I just want to say one other thing. It's, I want to remind you, it's better to begin small. It is better to begin small with God than to not begin at all. And also, it is better to rejoice over what you have than to weep over what you, what you used to have. Disappointment is a tricky emotion. It's not wrong to remember the past. It's certainly not wrong to grieve over what you've lost. But do not despair. From tiny acorns come mighty oak trees. And I want to challenge you that when God wanted to save the world, he started very small with a baby in a manger. Don't despise small beginnings, small obediences when you take that new direction and you have a new priority. Go ahead, get started. You never know what God's going to do. How long are you going to allow your past to hold you back from your future? How long will you choose to stay in your disappointment? Don't despise your present because maybe you've ended up someplace you didn't want to be. I want to encourage you, lay your disappointments at the foot of the cross. Determine to have a new direction. Be obedient and then have a new priority. I want us to pray right now. And I just want you to pray right wherever you are. I want you to pray with me right now and just pray this prayer with me um, as we finish here today. Dear God, I'm turning to you. I lay my disappointments at your feet, Lord. I want to begin anew, and I, and I, I, I want to have a new direction today, Lord. God, help me obey you. I choose to praise you, Lord, for you are the Lord, and you reign on high, Lord. I do praise you. Even when I don't feel like it, Lord, I, I praise you. And I look to you, Lord, because you are God. Lord, I thank you. I lift you up because you are my rock. You're my fortress. Lord, I trust, I choose to trust you today, and I praise your name today. Father, today, help me to have a new direction. Lord, help me to obey you. Lord, help me to keep you as the priority of my life. And I pray for strength to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus.
As we head into this week, church, let's make praise a priority. Let's remember everything that we've been challenged in today and give God the praise that he deserves. Have a great week.